didn't exactly go according to plan. At least not for Josh Allen, that is. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Bills Beat Podcast. This one, a post-game edition. After the Bills lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, it, the result really doesn't matter. All that matters is what happened in the grand scheme of things about how it shapes the Bills moving forward and potentially if we're rounding third on a decision as to who will be their starting quarterback for week one of the 2018 regular season. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me as always is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And the Bills, of course, have a hefty decision on their hands. And everybody knows it. They went into this game wanting to see what Josh Allen, the rookie quarterback, seventh overall, wanted to do, what he could do with the first team offense against a first team defense. And quite plainly, it did not go well. And not a not a ton of it was his fault, but there was still some of it that was his own undoing. And we'll get much more into that in addition to what, uh, what perhaps some of the opposite team was saying about him which is something that that Matthew wrote about we'll get in we'll get into that as well as my idea of what to do with AJ McCarron moving forward and how could we go without talking about Nathan Peterman as well so we're going to get into all of that plus don't forget today the very first Dree Archer award that'll be later in the podcast but you know with with come on darling but through it all, Matthew, Josh Allen got his first start. What'd you make of it? It, it didn't go well. <laughs> uh, not great, Bob. I mean, look, everything about this week was all about Josh Allen. He gets named the starter on Monday night. I mean, even going back to last Friday in Cleveland... Everybody wanted to talk about Josh Allen being on the fast track to winning the starting job. Monday night, he gets named the starter, and people are writing it in pen that this guy is quarterback one, yeah. and the Bills don't have it. You know, the Bills are have made up their mind. But then you see him out there, and immediately everybody's kind of hesitating to anoint him in that same light. For a couple of different reasons. I mean, he goes 6 for 12 for 34 yards. It was probably even uglier than than the numbers indicated. Mm-hmm. He was hit eight times, sacked five times. The Bills had negative yards on four of the eight drives in which he was the quarterback in the first half, and it ended with him going into concussion protocol at the end of the first half. A lot to dislike about what happened. I think it's pretty difficult to evaluate him on this performance alone just because he didn't have a ton of time in the pocket. That being said, I thought there were a couple of different instances when the ball didn't come out quick enough either. I agree. And the offensive line was not good. And the offensive line was shuffling all night. Ryan Groy moving to left guard, moving to right guard. After starting the game at center, they had... Basically, a different. I think they had like four or five different offensive line combinations throughout the first half. Marshall Newhouse was at left tackle in place of Deion Dawkins, who sat this one out. So I'm not sitting here telling you that the Bills' offensive line was good. All I'm saying is that this is part of 
the equation when you discuss does Josh Allen, is he ready to start behind this line? I think he's a good athlete and good at creating plays with his legs and buying time, but it's the subtle movements in the pocket with his footwork, with his eyes, where he still has a lot of room to grow, and he showed that tonight. There were no moments really with his arm, maybe that one back shoulder throw, but there weren't a lot of moments with his arm that had the people on their feet. I mean, there was potential for a moment when he was rolling right and it looked like he was going to rear back and just, I forget what receiver it was, way down the field, and it was... It should have been picked up. Woefully short, I believe it was Zay Jones, and it looked like Drake Kirkpatrick in coverage, and it probably should have been picked off. It was underthrown. But he didn't have a lot of those moments because he was a little bit hesitant. And look, this was the first time he was in there against a first-string defense. I don't think that can be understated because all of the excitement, which I think was warranted leading into this game, all of it came as a result of how Josh Allen performed against third-stringers and then second-stringers. And anybody who listens knows I've been saying that Josh Allen needs more time against not only the Bills' first-team defense but other first-team defenses before you can gauge whether he's ready. Right. Well, now you got to look. And I'm not convinced 100% that he's ready for week one. And there's not a whole lot he can do between now and week one to convince the Bills coaches that he's ready either. Right, but also, like you said, it's really tough to gauge that performance because there were so many extraneous factors that added to the pitfalls of the day. Like, uh, you, you pointed out all of the woes of the offensive line, like, the penalties too. The on penalties. Top of that. John Miller had three alone. John Miller also had two sacks. Twenty-five yards today. of penalties, I think, for John Miller, and allowed two sacks. Dukas I mean, was a turnstile. Ryan Groy, he had his good moments, but also had plenty of bad ones. Russell Bodine wasn't that great. I think their best offensive lineman tonight of the first group was probably Marshall Newhouse, and he was the guy that wasn't even supposed to be there. And he was not great. No, he wasn't, and that—that's the whole point. And. Although I I will agree with you because I noticed the same thing when the the Bills, uh, when Allen dropped back to pass, if he actually had time, there were times where he was hesitant to pull the trigger and I guess trust what he's seeing or go through his progressions quickly enough to find a target down the field because there were targets down the field. I mean, there were also times that his receivers let him down as well, but all in all, it was quite difficult to I guess totally pin what happened to Allen on Allen for this game but it's not giving him a pass by any means he needed to be better in that situation because we're not sitting here and saying and not to go to the extreme here but I guess you kind of have to Aaron Rodgers offensive lines in Green Bay have been pretty poor. Russell Wilson's offensive line in Seattle the past two years had him running for his life. There's not, newsflash, there's not that many good offensive lines right, in the NFL. Right, it's you're just, not go just what's say, happening. You're not going to go and say, oh, let's swing a trade, because there's not that many teams willing to move offensive linemen, because there's not a lot of good offensive linemen to go around. Which is probably part of the argument of, you know, there's people saying, you can't put Josh Allen in there behind this offensive line. But by saying that, you're saying you can't put him in there at all in 2018, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure there's anybody in that camp right now. Right. He probably has to get in there eventually. But there are things that he can do to play 
a better game behind a bad offensive line to make do with a bad offensive line. I'll uh, pull up a quote that uh, friend of the friend of the show, I would say, Robert Mays mm-hmm. um, from The Ringer, wrote about Jimmy Garoppolo, and this really stood out to me because it it talked about you know Kyle Shanahan and how they identified Jimmy Garoppolo and. The quote that stood out to me was about the the way that Jimmy Garoppolo has such a quick release and his footwork. It says, For Shanahan, Garoppolo's appeal was rooted in his mechanics. Most quarterbacks' throwing motion involves an exaggerated follow-through that ends with the body leaning forward and the right foot lifting off the ground. Garoppolo, meanwhile, features a stationary back foot rather than forcefully stepping into throws. He creates torque with his upper body and hips. And this was the quote from Shanahan, all the great drop back quarterbacks, that to me is an absolute. You've got to be able to play like that and throw like that. Anyone who doesn't throw like that, they're going to blame the O-line all year. I'm not going to name 100 quarterbacks who are like that, but their O-lines are always not good. The guys who can throw like this, when the O-line's bad, as long as you have good people out on routes, you can get rid of it. And I think you saw some of that from Josh Allen today where he was flat-footed or he couldn't make those subtle steps in the pocket to buy just a split second of time or have that, I think he has a pretty quick release, but have that quick processing speed to see a guy and hit him and not drop his eyes to the pressure or you know think too much and hold on to the ball too long and get sacked. You can get away with it against second and third team defensive players. You can shake that first potential tackler and buy a second of time and look downfield you can't always do that this is the speed that he's going to have to play at from here on out unless he plays in the fourth preseason game this these are the guys he's going to have to face right if he's going to become a franchise quarterback that's the level he needs to get used to and so if he's not ready for it then you ask yourself would this offensive line and these wide receivers do you trust him to go in there against the Baltimore Ravens, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Minnesota Vikings in the first three weeks? Three pretty good defensive fronts, and you know expect him to hold his own. And I don't know. It's it's tough to say that he's ready to do that. Mm-hmm. And part of it that's making it particularly tough, I think, for him, is that Nathan Peterman has has done very little wrong yeah. in the preseason and and. He hasn't lost the job at all, so that's what's going to make this a tough call for the Bills at the end of the day. And it's not to say that Josh Allen has has done all of these things that are totally uncorrectable. It, I mean, these things are have to be ironed out with experience and time on the job, but the Bills are running short on that time on the job, and they also have to get themselves ready, which is what we have talked about all along for the regular season, because now, I mean... We're recording this at 10.40 at night on a Sunday. Very soon, they'll be under two weeks away before the start of the regular season. And they're also going to be in a a somewhat of a compromising situation heading into this Thursday's game against the Chicago Bears. They need to have some semblance of an idea as to who their starter is going to be. Because I don't know that you want to put that player out there for that game. I mean, if it's not going to be Josh Allen, if Nathan Peterman is going to be your starter then at least let Josh Allen get some reps out there. And, and because that is the time for him 
to get some action on the field, especially since the next time we're going to see him is going to be when he's the starter for good. So the Bills have to get their act together over the next few days here and figure out a plan. And maybe if they don't even announce it uh, to the world to say, hey, Nathan Peterman's our starter or Josh Allen's our starter. They don't even have to do that. But as long as they know where this thing is headed, then then they need to. So that way they can continue to work with Josh Allen the way that, that he needs to be worked. But it was clear today that there are deficiencies in his game that have to be worked upon. And we going into this preseason, we brought up the point that maybe Josh Allen is better equipped to deal with this offensive line as compared to the other two guys. But after what we've seen from Nathan Peterman, who has been the picture of consistency uh, throughout this preseason and how he gets the ball out of his hands very quickly, perhaps he is the man that is best equipped at this point in time to deal with that offensive line should the offensive line prove to be in trouble for the start of the regular season. And this is now two straight, straight weeks with that offensive line. So perhaps we can, I guess, predict a little bit of uh, wear and tear, I'll, I'll put it as, as the regular season rounds third and, and gets closer to being here. But, you know, Peterman, as opposed to Allen, has just been steady Eddie, man. He's been doing everything that Sean McDermott has asked him to do. He's not turning the ball over. He almost did tonight, which has been really his his one of his most glaring weaknesses since being in the league are those throws out to the boundary. But that said, outside of that throw in particular, there hasn't been a lot to critique with Nathan Peterman. He stayed within himself. He's been confident. He's, he's getting the ball in spaces where guys can get up the field and make some plays. I mean, and not to mention, you know, I, I talked with McDermott uh, after the game in one of those little one-on-ones that we do, and he, when he was talking about Peterman, it wasn't like an overwhelming smile, but when Peterman, when I brought up Peterman, and he talked about how he's, he's getting better and, and he's really taking advantage and you know his his best football is ahead of him what wasn't entirely noticeable but still noticeable all the same a very very small smile when he was talking about Nathan Peterman and it's just he beams when he talks about Peterman so to me it's pretty clear that Peterman of the three guys, if we're going to have to handicap how this thing is after three games, Peterman is closer than either of the other those two guys to being QB1. And perhaps it's a little bit close, but I, I honestly think McDermott trusts that consistency in him and he wants to see him succeed so much that, I don't know, it, it's seeming like we're pretty close to Peterman potentially being the guy here. And if they wanted an excuse to start Nathan Peterman, they have it. They have everything has lined up to this point where you can easily start Nathan Peterman and have very little issue doing it because he's done very little wrong in terms of, 
you just look at the numbers, whether he's been with the first team, second team, third team, he's gotten it done each game. You know, there are people that were scoffing at what he did today because it was against the backups, but maybe his most impressive performance was in the first week of the preseason against the Panthers. And I think he has the trust of the room because of how he handled himself, not just this summer during the quarterback competition, but all off season after, you know, the way his rookie season went. And I think you can get by with Nathan Peterman as long as you need to. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen has not, didn't go out and win the job. And you could still start Josh Allen and make the case. And I'm not sure you would get too much of an argument from a lot of Bills fans who want to see him in there day one. I wouldn't necessarily have a problem if he's in the lineup day one. But if you're talking about this as a competition, a true competition, and it's as close as Sean McDermott has said it is, what has Nathan Peterman done on the field to lose this job? Yeah, right. And I understand that he's likely not the future. Uh, Still, every time... He throws the ball to the boundary on one of those out routes or comeback routes. Yeah, it's not pretty. You have to cringe because he doesn't have the velocity to make those throws. And it very nearly ends up in an interception way too often. And it's what happened in L.A. It's what happened in Jacksonville when Jalen Ramsey ended the Bills season. So I'm not sitting here saying he's the future. I think everybody knows Josh Allen is the future. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's perfectly okay if Nathan Peterman is the present for as long as it, as long as Josh Allen needs to get ready. And if Nathan Peterman's not gonna, he didn't cough up the job. He had a lot of opportunities to cough up the job and didn't do it. You could say that AJ McCarron didn't go out and earn the job, but it's hard to make that same argument for Peterman. Right, and he just hasn't blinked of the three. I mean, McCarron has had a subpar performance. Allen has had a subpar performance. And in Peterman's time with the ones, he looked pretty good against the Panthers. Granted, that was the first preseason game of the year. And maybe those guys were just getting their footing. But Peterman really has been the most consistent of the three. And as long as this doesn't become a Trevor Simeon Paxton Lynch situation... It doesn't matter how long Nathan Peterman's going to be there in the starting lineup because eventually Josh Allen's going to be the guy. Josh Allen has shown enough to warrant you thinking, hey, he's going to get in the starting lineup at some point this year. You just don't know when. It might be to start the season, maybe not now after tonight, or maybe it's mid-October after the first half of the season, maybe after that Monday night game. Who knows? Who knows when it's going to happen? But Peterman has done everything right. He shook off a slow start at training camp and has really just built upon positive day after positive day. It's pretty clear just based on what we see after practice that he is the one that is constantly trying to get on the same page with his running backs and receivers. And if someone wants to get some work in, Peterman is the guy that is throwing them the ball well after practice has ended. Now, that doesn't make him into a franchise quarterback by any means, and it doesn't hide his deficiencies. But the work ethic is there. 
And if there's one thing you should know about Sean McDermott is that he loves a good work ethic. And Peterman's got that. He's got the smarts. He seems like he has a good handle on the offense. I mean, the the physical skills are not always there for him. But by and large, he has done enough. And he certainly passed by A.J. McCarron and based on McCarron's performance and also being the victim of an injury, which not totally his fault, but still it could have gone a lot smoother for McCarron had he actually had a solid performance against the Browns. That notwithstanding, Peterman has been the best of the three. And being the guy that doesn't blink might just end up winning him this job. And I don't know that anyone would disagree with him getting this job to, to start things because it's it's pretty plain to see that he looks the most comfortable of those three guys out there. And I guess that's that's kind of what the Bills, what would help them base their decision off, especially seeing as how through that first preseason game, it, it didn't seem like there was much separation between the three. Yeah, I think... Look, worse quarterbacks than Nathan Peterman have started in the NFL and been successful. Mm. And the let's w- name three: Matt Castle, Blaine Gabbert. Well, Blaine Gabbert was not successful by even any stretch of the, <laughs> ima- the imagination. Oh, there's a successful caveat in there. But Trevor Simeon. Well, worse quarterbacks have started. Yes. That much is clear. Jeff Tool, anyone? Mm. Uh, EJ Manuel, mm. perhaps, was worse. But the point being that it's, I think it's always been two separate discussions. Is, you know, Nathan Peterman was competing against AJ McCarron to be the quarterback if Josh Allen didn't win the competition against himself to get ready for the start of the regular season. I don't think we can sit here and say exactly what the answer is on whether Josh Allen won that competition with himself to get ready for the regular season. Mm-hmm. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are probably going to determine that at some point in the next couple of days, if they haven't already. But I think it's pretty clear that Nathan Peterman won that other competition mm-hmm. where he all he had to do was be better than A.J. McCarron to be the guy that, that's the placeholder. And he was. And I think it, you know, it bleeds into a little bit of what you're talking about and what we talked about pretty far back uh, after the draft is if Nathan Peterman wins the job, do you need A.J. McCarron? Right. And and we'll get into that after we do the what we're working on. But yeah, it's it it's all it all blends itself together here with with all that. And and speaking of that, let's let's uh, dive right into the what we're working on because I think we've we've both got uh, a couple of tasty treats out there. We'll we'll go with the athletic first. What do you got? Yeah, over at theathletic.com, I just posted my story from the game. Spent some time in the Bengals locker room after the game, given that this was Josh Allen's first real crack against starting defensive players in the NFL. And, you know, getting that perspective to me was was interesting. Preston Brown, old, old friend uh, of Bills fans. Not a friend of the pod. Not a friend of the pod. <laughs> friendly guy. Yeah, very friendly uh, guy. But I, he just probably doesn't listen. Big, big, uh, big fan of the media. That Preston Brown. Oh yeah. Um, he he was. You know, he made the point that 
the offense, you know, obviously the offensive line didn't do Josh Allen any favors, but he said they expected as linebackers and secondary to get a lot of get interceptions today. Everybody wanted one was kind of the way they went into the game. And then he said the defensive line kind of took the fun away of it by just crushing him. And, you know, he said he didn't have enough time to think a rookie like Josh Allen needs more time to think. Maybe more interesting was Dre Kirkpatrick, their top cornerback, who's been in this league a little while. When I asked him, you know, what you, what did you see from the rookie quarterback? He's been getting a ton of buzz lately. And he said, I really didn't see it today. I felt like he stared down his opponent. He stared me down a couple times and threw the ball. That's something that he's going to work through. He'll get better at that. His arm strength impressed me a little bit today, but that kid has a lot of learning to do, man. But he followed it up by saying he's going to be good in this league. So, oh, you know, he look at that. He likes the talent, but it was and mind you, Drake Kirkpatrick and others said there wasn't exactly game planning going on. Sure. It's not like they watched a few hours of Josh Allen film and figured out how to shut this kid down. Drake Kirkpatrick, I don't even know if he opened his playbook this week. He said, right. I didn't really look at look at my book much. It was just go out there and play. And they shut him down with relative ease. The offensive line has some blame in that, but when a cornerback is seeing those things mm-hmm. that you can see from up here, that's where uh, you know some of that gets a little bit tricky. But, and, and that perspective is everything you need to know about what Josh Allen might be at this point, too. And that's... I think that's important because we hadn't seen too much of that from, you know, you can, he was up against backups in these other games mm-hmm. and a starting corner who's seen a lot of quarterbacks who sees Ben Roethlisberger twice a year can pick up some of those nuances. So that's up at theathletic.com. You can still get 40% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash Bill's Beat. Tim Graham dropped stories on Eric Wood and Andy Dalton that have been uh, very popular on the site this week. He's also piecing together something on the Bills' offensive line that will be up later tonight. I'll have some leftover notes and observations from this game. And you know that uh, Eric Turner and John Ramsey are always hard at work looking at the film to to uncover some nuggets as well. So go to theathletic.com slash BillsBeat and you can get 40% off. See that's that's very um, telling what uh, what you uncovered with some of the the Bengals defenders about Josh Allen. I'm eager to dive into that, but the over at wkbw.com, I put up my uh, my post game observations as I always do, and perhaps the thing that has really permeated in my mind throughout the course of the day. And it was spurred on by, uh, by the, the report out there, or maybe the words of one John Gruden out, out with the Oakland Raiders, who basically said he doesn't know if the backup quarterback for the Raiders is currently on his roster, which, by the way, EJ, not going so well out there, huh, buddy? Um, so that got me to thinking. And then we have, uh, then here in Buffalo, A.J. McCarron is sitting there like a lump of coal at the moment. And right now over at WKBW.com, you can read the observations in full, which include uh, the 
analysis on Nathan Peterman, Josh Allen, the offensive line, the, the burgeoning cornerback um, starting competition. And that's, that's all over there as well as my one-on-one with Sean McDermott. But this A.J. McCarron thing, it's, it's got me to thinking, man. Like, the Bills and Sean McDermott dropped a very sneaky little parcel of information into his press conference today after the game when he was asked about McCarron. He said, A.J. would have been, uh, would have been our uh, third quarterback if we needed him to be which essentially was, if one of the, the guys got injured, we, we would have put in the, him in the game. And he said, we're working toward him being healthy, and it seems like we're there. Which leads me to believe, after watching him go through seven-on-sevens and team drills during warm-up, he was healthy enough to play this evening, but he didn't. Now, you have to factor in whether or not him not practicing is a part of this, which, which maybe it is. But it's also pretty telling that it doesn't seem like it's all that close between him and Nathan Peterman. And if that's the case, as we discussed on the last pod with McCarron, if he isn't if he isn't the starter, he's QB3. And at that point, what do you need QB3 for? Especially when he's making making what he's making. And if he came here to be a starter and ends up the third stringer, that's not going to be a positive thing to have in your locker room. So, it all leads me to this point. I believe, after they get just some time to Josh Allen, they should take Thursday night in Chicago to showcase A.J. McCarron. Because I honestly believe he could garner something on the trade market. Especially with all of the poor quarterback play of the backups that runs rampant throughout the league. At least teams know, based on what he did in Cincinnati, that he can come in and be serviceable as a backup for your team. And also, it's cost-controlled. They know how much they have to pay this guy. It's not all that much in the grand scheme of being a backup quarterback. And we all know Brandon Bean's reputation around the league at at being a guy who's not afraid of any trade. And it would best serve the Bills if A.J. McCarron is not going to be QB1 or 2, which I don't know how you can make Josh Allen inactive after the preseason he's had. If If he's not going to be in one of those top two slots, then you have to think about your roster from the long view and think to yourself, okay, what would serve me best. Perhaps a sulking A.J. McCarron as my third stringer, making that much money, or a potential fourth, or more probably a fifth or sixth round pick, and a roster spot to do with what we please. That If they can accrue that after a, a preseason game against the Bears that are going to be going up against second and third stringers, that he is more than likely going to look pretty good in. I think it's almost a no-brainer at this point to showcase him and try to elicit a trade. What about you? I see no problem with it. I mean, you either need to sign a quarterback to play some of that game or you go with who you have. And if you've determined that A.J. McCarron is your third quarterback, 
that, that's what he's there for. I mean, I know we've talked about how the fourth preseason game, that quarterback ends up being a bit of a, a tackling dummy at times, and especially with the Bills' offensive line issues all the way down, first, second, and third string, it's a bit of an, you know, it's not a, a, a job anybody wants is to be out there in a fourth preseason game. It's not a job A.J. McCarron wants, that's for sure. But I wouldn't blame the Bills for trying to show him off as much as possible and trying to get rid of him for something. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at how everything unfolded this offseason, when the Bills acquired A.J. McCarron, it was for they didn't know how the draft was going to play out. They didn't know if they would get Josh Allen or Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or any of these guys. So in the event that they were boxed out, they needed some sort of fallback option. Mm -hmm. A.J. McCarron also kind of just fell into their lap. He wasn't really a guy they went out and aggressively targeted. So with the limited financial investment they have in him, they can trade him and they can sell that to another team as... Hey, he's not going to cost you a whole lot, and he'll give you solid backup play, and we're good here because we have two guys mm-hmm. that we invested draft picks in, and I think you can sell that as even getting something, a, a little something back, wouldn't hurt, and that would make it a little bit more palatable to swallow the money uh, that you did spend guaranteed to bring this guy to Buffalo. I just don't know that he fits at this point anymore i don't i'm not sure how he fits or if he doesn't win the job which do we really think that he's even got a shot at that no then i mean i think that would be the most surprising outcome is if sean mcdermott says you know when healthy aj mccarron is our guy i I would be very very surprised Mm mm-hmm Especially seeing, seeing as how he was healthy tonight. <laughs> healthy enough, I And he guess. didn't play. Healthy enough. At least that's what Sean McDermott sort of led us to believe. I mean... I, I don't know why he would lie about that. I don't know why he wouldn't have been in the game under those circumstances. But if he were held... I guess he didn't practice. There's a lot of things. They that also didn't that. use the third string at no, all. No, yeah. They, and not a lot of those guys touched the field. So... I just don't know. Of the three, he's least equipped, I think, to be the third quarterback because of how he's... I I don't think after sitting for four years, you can expect him to play the part of good soldier and sit there as the third quarterback and be super helpful to the other two. You don't want want that in, in your situation that you're trying to build. And I actually thought, I mean, going through and, and watching... I mean, I was sitting, we were both sitting right next to Tim Graham, who also works for The Athletic, and, and he made the observation, hey, AJ's not really by the other two quarterbacks on the sideline. And it might have only been a brief moment of the game, and I, and I certainly wasn't watching him like a hawk, but you almost feel like if the camaraderie is there, the quarterbacks are usually right around each other. And the more stark thing about that is that McCarron was by himself not even with teammates so I don't and this isn't to paint him in a bad light by any means but if he's just not buying into the program the same way that Peterman and Allen clearly are then there's no point in in having him here especially if there's the potential for undermining 
what you're trying to do as an organization and what you're trying to build. And if A.J. McCarron doesn't bring a smile to the head coach's face the way that Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman does, what is the damn point of having him here? So it's an easy sell job to me, to, to an opposing team or to a team that's in the market for a new backup quarterback. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. I mean, Oakland could use one. The Denver Broncos could use one. The Denver Broncos are currently trying to decide between Chad Kelly and Paxton Lynch as to who their backup is going to be. And I bet you if I went through the entirety of the NFL, I could probably point out like at least five or six teams that would be interested in, in having a more substantial backup quarterback. Because let's just be real here. That's what A.J. McCarron is. He's not a starter, and he had his chance to win the job, and he didn't. It was a very real chance to win the job, and he didn't. He was outperformed by Nathan Peterman, a former fifth-round pick. But you know what you're getting in McCarron. You know what cost you're gonna you're going to uh, in you're going to bring on a, as a team trading for him. And plus the fact, the other way that Brandon Bean can sell this thing is if AJ McCarron does have to play considerable snaps for you, and he plays well enough. Guess what you can do? You can flip him for an even higher pick than what we're asking of you. That's me talking as Brandon Bean. But it's like, it's just... It, it's not it, a very good Brandon Bean impression. I wasn't trying to be the southern drawl. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just such easy logic. And I, Brandon Bean's a smart guy. We both know it. He's always trying to, trying to figure out the next deal and, and where he can worm his way in maybe you could just combine two ideas and trade aj mccarron for khalil Mack. straight up who says no the raiders yeah definitely the raiders Raiders. but what if you do like a combo of aj mccarron shaq lawson a first and a third i'm not getting into this this (laughs) i'm just kidding um but the but i i honestly think it's something the bill should consider and if we end up seeing him out on the field a ton on thursday night you, you damn well better be sure that that is very much in their mind. All right, let's move on to the um, the woes of the offensive line because it, uh, it wasn't pretty. Um, quickly, before we do that, I just want to say on a positive side, the Bills did seem to figure out their run defense a bit, which was, you know, it needed to happen based on what happened and in that's Cleveland. without Trent Murphy and right. Kyle Williams. Right. So that that looked good. Jermaine Edmonds, Matt Milano yes. both played well. Yes, they did. However, play of the offensive line, not so good. John Miller had probably the worst game of the bunch, and that's saying something. Vlad Dukas didn't play well. Ryan Groy didn't play well. But here's the deal. Even though they were rotating all those different guys and did all those different combinations... You know what it didn't include? A different guard. Another guard in addition. No Wyatt Teller, No man. Wyatt Teller. They're not interested in it. Sean McDermott, after the game, when, uh, again, in this little, little one-on-one thing, I asked him how he felt the offensive line did before tonight. And he said, you know, I, I thought they played really solid. And uh, I've really enjoyed the way the starting five have played. And that term was interesting to me because we haven't really heard him allude to, you know, a, a set in stone sort of thing. That just leads me to believe that if you're 
out there holding out hope that Wyatt Teller is going to steal one of these two jobs before the season begins, you're a bit mistaken. Because even though the rookie has been playing better as of late and has been improving, and I would even like to see him get some first-team reps, I don't think the Bills are even considering it. So, But those I, things tend to happen quickly sometimes without you they do and they don't and we haven't been in there to see for sure if he's mixing it at all the fact that he wasn't a part of the shuffle tonight tells you that they're probably not ready to go that far but you saw the explanation of why they were doing the shuffle right yes which i i i would tend with how much he over prepares for things and like those situational stuff of like calling timeouts, just going out on the field and calling timeouts, I would not be shocked if he was being quite truthful with saying that we were we were putting guys out there in certain spots just in case each individual guy gets injured in a game or they have to go some time without one of those guys. Which so adds, I, I could see Sean McDermott. That adds like another that. layer to the Josh Allen conversation of right. you're throwing him out there. I mean, if that's true, you're saying we're going to just shuffle this offensive lineup and go get them, Josh. <laughs> you know, so was it... Screw cohesiveness. Was it a true chance to win the job? Was it a, setting him up to be thrown into the fire and see how he handles it and they didn't necessarily care how... And the, another thing that jumped out at me when I went into the Bengals locker room was Preston Brown said that the offense was simple. Mm-hmm. And you didn't see some of the RPOs and different wrinkles that they have. So was Josh Allen thrown out there in really adverse conditions on to purpose. see how he would respond? Right. Was it on purpose? If so, that's a little bit weird. But <laughs> I, I guess either way, regardless of the reasoning for the offensive line shuffle, any combination they threw out there wasn't good. Deion Dawkins not being out there didn't help because Marshall Newhouse wasn't up to the task, I don't think, of of being the left tackle. Vlad Dukas, some of the communication between those two, the communication between Dukas and the center, there were a lot of blown blocks Mm -hmm. and a lot of issues. And it's fair. Look, nobody said that this offensive line was good, really, at any Mm -hmm. point. I think these guys are more talented than they showed tonight. And I don't know that it's quite as bad as it looked tonight, especially because of all the shuffling, but it's not a great situation by any means. And there's not that much time to figure it out. No, there certainly isn't. And I don't know if there's an answer there because I mean, John Miller had a solid spring. It seemed like he started off really well in training camp. But let's not forget, last year he was like bad. Not even like slightly below average. He was a constant weakness to the point where they had to replace him after four weeks. Vlad Dukas came in there and he was slightly below average and he was better <laughs> than that and than Miller by a long shot. So I don't know. The Bills need to figure their stuff out, man, because although it's it's smart to not jump to conclusions uh, of what the offensive line might be just based on one preseason game. But it's tough to not think that this could be a continuing trend with how they've looked the last two weeks specifically. And and that's a concern. I mean, 
it's not as though help is on the way. Ryan Groy, Russell Bodine, Vlad Dukas, John Miller, they all have their deficiencies, and they've been exposed. And that stuff is now on tape in the preseason. So if when guys are actually game planning and say, all right, this, when this, when we make this guy do this, you can get by him. When that happens and you see that and you have that information, that's not going away anytime soon. And it's hard to know where to put the blame. You know, there are are players who aren't living up to, you know, what they should be doing on the field. Brandon Bean probably should have done more to address the offensive line in an offseason in which the focus was getting a young franchise quarterback in place. Juan Castillo hasn't done a whole lot to develop the talent that they do have on the roster. So there's plenty of blame to go around, but it's not going to get better Mm -hmm. overnight. And I don't think anybody is going to get cut in five days that's going to, you know, jump in here and fix this thing. So that's why you need to take that into account when you're figuring out who the starting quarterback is going to be. Is it a guy that can handle that? Can Josh Allen go in there and deal with that for 16 games? I'm not entirely convinced that he can. And I do think they'll look to add something along the waiver wire on the offensive line, but the the overwhelming, I guess, takeaway with that OL is that this thing isn't really going to change no matter what what you're looking for and no matter what you're trying to accomplish. You might just have to cozy up to the idea of the starting five that was out there tonight being the starting five to start the season. And that's, I know that's not a comforting thing for Bills fans, but the the Bills, it, for what it's worth, the offensive line looked like crap in last year's preseason. And they were able to at least get by last year. So and you had no LaShawn McCoy, so true. not much of and, a run threat. And to no Deion Dawkins, out. who played well. And no well. Deion Dawkins, who is their best offensive lineman. Yes. So panic if you must, but you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame I, you not, if you did a little bit with the interior, to be honest. But but at the know. same time, yeah. it's it's you know a, a football offensive line in the yeah. preseason. Yeah, and they'll if be you're having panic attacks over that. That's consult a doctor. Yeah, that's not good. Um, but there are the, more serious issues in the world. Than there are the offensive line. There are, but it's not good. There's also the factor of perhaps Brian Dable not showing everything he's going to do and I guess uh, having plays that better suit the offensive line to help them as opposed to just you know throwing them out them throwing them out there to the wolves we'll just have to see when things actually get real but we have no way of knowing that because we've quite literally never seen a game plan in a regular season game with the Buffalo Bills from Brian Dable. So it's it's to be determined. Last thing I wanted to get into before our post-game awards. Vontae Davis. Uh, not what he's cracked up to be. He definitely has struggled in the preseason. It came to a high point in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And to the point that it was... Timely, because this is something the Bills have been working on the past week. But 
Now his starting job is not even guaranteed. Philip Gaines is pushing him for a starting job. And I probably think that's more a result of Davis struggling than it is Gaines excelling. And that's not a comforting spot for Vance to be in either. No. Vontae Davis got beat so badly mm. by John Ross. It was it was and tough. That's he lacks the makeup speed mm-hmm. that he once had, I think. Mm-hmm. At least I think he had it at one point. Oh, he did. And he definitely did. He's not tackling all that well, and this could be a case of an older player not taking the preseason as seriously as other guys, but maybe that's why they are starting to light a fire under him. And you also can't convince me that even a guy that is a veteran steps on the field in a game with this many people watching and just doesn't care that a guy's blowing by him the way that John Ross blew by him. It is all of a sudden not quite as funny that the rest of the secondary calls him Uncle V and talks about him being the old guy. Right. Because now all of a sudden he might be a weakness. And that is a little bit of a an issue when you look at the depth they have at that spot. There is no depth. That's the problem. Quickly, you know, you're a, a Tredavious White injury away from being in trouble on the boundary. Well, <laughs> quite honestly, I mean, you're still probably in trouble because if Vontae Davis is washed up, I mean, your best option is Philip Gaines, who's a journeyman cornerback in the league that hasn't really had success in any spot he's been in. And then past that, you have Brayon Borders, who hasn't really looked the part. Lafayette Pitts, who got demoted to the third team a couple weeks ago, who's a solid special teams player, but hasn't really shown much defensively. Levi Wallace, who has kind of faded into the background after a strong spring. The depth isn't there. The starter, outside of Tredavious White, may not be there. Cornerback is quite possibly the sneakiest big need of the Bills going right now. I mean, we all know about the offensive line. We know they need a defensive tackle. They We know they need uh, a wide receiver. But corner, that's one no, no one really talked about before Vontae Davis blew up in front of our very eyes. And it's... Uh, again, this isn't meant to alarm everyone and say, oh, they're going 0-16, everything like that. But... There are weaknesses that the Bills are going to have to try and counter. And it's our job to try and spot those trends and where the, where this thing is headed. And it doesn't look like the cornerback spot is headed to a very good direction. I will say for Vontae, he made one pass breakup in the end zone in, in the second half. But that was really it for him. And I don't know that... He, he just hasn't looked like the player he once was. And that should be concerning to the Bills. The fact that Philip Gaines is pushing him should be concerning to the Bills. And I I would just tend to believe that along with offensive line, cornerback and and defensive or defensive tackle, cornerback is right there with it for spots that they might look to the waiver wire to to add Maybe not even for a starter, just for depth, because they sorely need it. They really do. And they have that's basically been their plan B all offseason is Philip Gaines goes outside and Taron Johnson plays nickel 
it's a fine plan B. It's it's okay, but depth behind those guys is needed because Tredavious White goes down or Gaines goes down. You're back down to Lafayette Pitts, mm-hmm. who you know was out there at times last year, and he's not the worst cornerback in the NFL, but he's not your first choice. And that's a position where you can find some guys on the wire. And I'm sure they've they've got a list of guys that, that could pop up and become available that they'll keep an eye on because I think it's one of the spots that they should probably think to address because injuries piled up for them at that spot last mm-hmm. year, and you're only going to stay healthy for so long. You might have to survive a game or two without Trey White if he gets hurt or Vontae Davis or whoever. And... I don't know that they're equipped to do it at the moment. And they also inexplicably kept like four cornerbacks at times last year. It just doesn't make sense based on general uh, perceived NFL logic. All right, it's time to hand out some awards. And I've been pumped about this since we talked about it on the last pod. Let's, let's hand out both of our individual... <coughs> wow! That's the first sneeze in podcast history. I was holding it in, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes, you know, we're we're human, folks. It it happens. And maybe it was the moment that we're about to have in awarding the thing we came up with last time around. The Dree Archer Award, which goes to the player that didn't show up in the game. As we all know, Dree Archer, the player that quite literally didn't show up to the Bills facilities after they had acquired him. And now we're giving it to, a, a, not limited to a Bills player, but a player that didn't show up in the game. Probably going to be a Bills player. And I think it's a pretty easy one for me. Ooh. Corey Coleman. You took mine! Not, not just for this week, ah. but does Corey Coleman play for the Bills? He, I'm beginning to wonder. Two catches for zero yards today, folks. You took mine. And I'm he, so mad. He hasn't done much of anything. When he's on the roster. field, he's been billed as a guy that can stretch the field and you know create plays over the top. But we're not seeing a lot of it. No. And you know, I think I don't know. I, I just don't know what the future holds for him here. How he fits in. Right on the field, off the field, he has a lot to figure out. And if the Bills do give him a chance and keep him on the roster, I think he should feel fortunate Yeah, and figure out a way to get it together. I don't even know that. The, like, the guy probably doesn't even think that his roster spot's in jeopardy. Just looking at the way he carries himself and talking to him, he seems pretty content. But I'm not sure I'd be super comfortable if I were him the way he's playing. I would agree with that. I would agree. And... Corey Coleman would have been my pick, but I will charge on. And the player I am awarding the Dree Archer Award to, Adolphus Washington. Although the the run defense was much better tonight, when he went in the game, it was not. He was getting pushed around left and right. It's as though he wasn't even there. It's as though he was Dree Archer. And tonight was a big night for him, I think, because this was his chance to show that he could be the primary backup to the defensive tackle uh, spot when Kyle Williams is is down and, and dealing with an injury. And he wasn't today, which just further strengthens my belief that they need to seriously comb the waiver wire for a defensive tackle and to add him to the mix. 
Because that guy doesn't exist on their roster. I mean, all due respect to Ricky Hatley and Tyrone Walker and, and those guys, I just I, I don't see them factoring in to the equation here. I think they need some some different people. Some people that almost would have made another team but fell victim to the numbers game. And that might end up being better for them in, in their short-term depth at the position. So I, I award it to Adolphus Washington. Now... These don't factor into the bracket, which, by the way, got a lot of great feedback about the bracket, the end-of-season bracket. But come on, Darlene. I will let you take the floor. What is your come on, Darlene, of of the evening? I would say my come on, Darlene, goes to Andy Dalton and John Ross. Because, come on, fellas. Andy Dalton had built up a lot of goodwill. He got his standing (laughs) ovation. He made the nice donation to Roswell. Bills fans wanted to love him. And then on the very first play from scrimmage, he had to go and throw a 57-yard touchdown to John Ross. I mean, come on, Darlene. At least, you know, make it a little bit of a slower bleed to just pull the rug out from underneath Bills fans (laughs) and remind them, hey, uh, I still play for the other team, and this whole standing ovation thing was nice. But Andy Dalton is... Quietly, kind of a, a Bills killer, a little bit. He oh, yeah. plays well against the Bills, and uh, that was that was a rough, a rough, rude awakening, I think, for for Bills fans who were cheering him on. And John Ross needed that tutty. Oh yeah, John Ross. He's a lot bigger in, he's a in person sleeper. than than I thought he was. Like I thought he was a much more slim build, but he's he's pretty muscular. He's a fantasy sleeper. He's a smaller guy, but he's a guy that uh, you got to have on your radar. He's. A secondary come on, Darlene, for me was going to be Charles Clay because the drops are just. Are you just going to getting a little bit old? Are you just going to take all the good stuff? Were you, if that was going to be yours, then take the floor because. No, but I, mean, I think Andy, Andy I mean, kind of took the cake for me. I just wanted to stop you before you, you you took all the good come on, Darlene's. I mean this this is BS. Um, it's preseason. It is preseason. These don't count. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't count in the grand scheme of things. My come on, Darlene. We'll have to go to one Sean McDermott. Uh Why? Why are you punting so feverishly in preseason, in situations where you can clearly go for it? The one that stands out is after Josh Allen seemed like he was pretty close to getting the first down and... It probably was a first down after the replay. He didn't challenge it, which I don't really have a problem with it because don't don't slow down a preseason game. But why aren't you going for it? In that May situation? I offer an explanation as to why he didn't go for it on fourth and inches? Fourth and inch. There is a punting competition underway. Yeah, and Colton Schmidt had seven punts to John Ryan's one today. Not fair. Whoopty freak! Very unfair. Some punting competition. But I I just I. Don't get it. What? Why are you willing to go for two points to potentially try and bring on a tie if you were to if you were to get another touchdown and a two point conversion, and not go for a fourth and inch play? Aren't you supposed to like simulate all these situations for yourself? Well, that's isn't the point. this isn't this the risk free and the guilt free portion of the program? Well, no, they're simulating. Sean McDermott is about simulating. 
the regular season and what he's preparing players for what the regular season will be like. And he's got to prepare his team for punting in situations when most reasonable men would go for it. Enough with the punts already in preseason. And if you're going to have a punting competition, why doesn't John Ryan get more run? Yeah, how about you... You switch on and off. Hey, Colton, this one, John, that one. Not like, hey, Colton, you get the first half, John gets the second. Like, what? It's kind of silly. It was really silly. It's it's not and like it's the never, quarterback they, competition. It's weird because they've insisted that there. I mean, it seems they've insisted that there's a punting competition because they brought in another punter and they kept Corey Carter for so long. But they never exactly gave the impression in any of these preseason games or even practice that there was a huge punting competition well there but, is now with the presence of john ryan well now there is yes. but i think there might have been before yeah there probably was like, kind probably of right. under the surface but yeah. if you're gonna have a punting competition i think there's a better way to set it up than switching off you know than having first half and second half yeah but just who one, am i one punt one punt schmidt one punt john ryan sean mcdermott yeah yeah he, he gets come on darlene for the evening like like, what the heck, man? How many... We should set the over-under on how many times Sean McDermott will receive a come-on Darlene. There's 32 of them to go around I'm gonna say, in a 16-game season. I'm going to say the over-under is 8.5. Do you think that's low? I think it could end up being over. Which I, think, I also think it could end up being under. But I know I'm going to be digging deep for these come on Darlene's come the regular <laughs> season now that they're all going in bracket form. And I'm almost prepared to give a bonus come on Darlene to John Warrow for whining about being a come on Darlene <laughs> before. As we were getting ready to come in and record the podcast, he's like, oh, I didn't have a meltdown today so you can't talk about me well you're wrong too damn bad john (laughs) i can talk about you and i will and yeah we you know we did we did give him come on darlene and maybe i'll do it every damn week if i have to (laughs) it'll be 16 waro moments in the except he's not on the road so he won't uh but he tweets he does tweet and pretty much every john waro tweet is a come on darlene I don't know. I don't know that I can say anything else that 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 uh, helps the podcast after that. All right. So the Bills, what do they have next? They have a practice on Monday. They're off on Tuesday. They travel to Chicago on Wednesday. The game on Thursday, and then it's cut down day. So it's a pretty furious week coming up here. Um, so the next time we'll talk to you will be probably on Tuesday. Just after, uh, just after the the lone practice of the week, just to gauge where they are with the quarterback competition, everything like that, and if they actually have some answers here. But yeah, this is we're getting close, everybody. It, we're we're pretty much right on, uh, right on with the start of the regular season coming up, fast and furious. So it's gonna be fun. Will the Bills name a quarterback? Will they at least have a plan to sit one of those quarterbacks, which would insinuate that that player is uh, is the starting quarterback to start the 2018 season. Will Ryan Zapatiki be signed before the fourth preseason game? Right. Will Rodak be signed before the fourth preseason game? Will I'm, Rodak be thrown into the punting competition? I'm still pushing for and it. Feature the you know suffer the same fate as that Washington punter did that one time. Right. 
right. when he got smashed in the face. Yeah. You think uh, these are all prudent questions and ones that we need the answers to. Find out this and much, much more on the next Bills Beat podcast. <laughs> Actually, not all of it because the next podcast will be before the fourth preseason game, but yeah, you catch my drift. Yeah. All right. We're done. It's almost midnight. We got to go. Thanks, everybody, for listening, whether it be on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on Stitcher. My name is Joe Biscaglia. For Matthew Fairburn, thank you all for listening. Le- listening. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. See ya. <laughs>